0: Uh, Like I was saying, thanks for coming at the end of the day. We're just so glad you're in the room today. I want to jump straight in to uh, today's message. If you have a Bible, go to first Kings chapter 19, first Kings chapter 19. And uh, last week we kicked off our series on mental health. We talked about anxiety today, my friends, we're coming to the big one. We are coming to one of the issues that I've heard more and more people talk about in this area um, than than I was expecting. And we're talking about depression today. I'm going to try to make it happy, though, and joyful. So if you are depressed, it's OK. You're in a good place to, to work this out. If you're new to gospel, let me just say welcome. My name is Billy. This is Randy. Uh, we, get to be the, we get to be the lead pastors of this brand new church. And we just believe that church is less about what you do for God before it's first about recognizing what he's done for you. I don't think that Jesus died on a cross for us to keep score of whoever is the most holy. I think he died on a cross so we could grow every day and experience who he is every day. And so wherever you are in the spiritual spectrum, we just want to say welcome. Glad you're here. You're in a safe space today. Uh, I'm going to teach from the Bible. We love the Bible here at church. We love the word of God. Um, but I'm just so excited that you're, you're here and uh, you took some time to join us. Okay, First Kings chapter 19. When you're ready, say, I'm ready. First Kings is in the Old Testament, right before the book of Second Kings. So I make sure you're paying attention. Hey, FYI, next Sunday, uh, we are going to be doing a Christianity 101 class. I want to throw this out there. So at 1130, I'm going to teach a session right here in this overflow room. I'm going to be answering this question, is the Bible reliable? And if you're new to Christianity or you're new to faith and you have those questions, I'm gonna be looking at like, what is the Bible, how to get put together, all that stuff. And so if you're a new believer or you're new to faith and you wanna ask questions, hang out with us next Sunday at 1130, it'll be great. Here we go, First Kings chapter 19. Here reads the word of the Lord. It says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Okay, previously, In this story, Elijah has had this big mountain battle with a bunch of other prophets. So Yahweh was the Old Testament God, and then there's also this other God called Baal. And Baal, he was one of the many gods in those days in antiquity. And Elijah is one prophet, and there was 400 prophets, 450 prophets, and, and they're all sitting there and they have this epic showdown. And he's like, all right, if your God is real, let's see whose God brings fire from heaven. And the Bible says the prophets of Baal, all night, all day, they're trying to make it happen, nothing happens. Elijah makes it happen and he kills all the prophets. That is the Old Testament. It's not just like bragging rights. Like he's like, you're worshiping other gods? No. The very next chapter, this woman named Jezebel who's really been stirring up stuff, she finds out that Elijah killed the prophets and here's what we read, verse two. Then Jezebel sent a messenger saying to Elijah, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Sounds like a riddle. She's basically saying, I'm gonna kill you. (laughs) I'm coming after you. Verse three, then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die. The previous chapter, he has this epic victory. The next chapter, he says, Lord, I kind of want to die. And he says, it is enough now, Lord, take away my life, (laughs) for I am no better than my father. I want to talk about depression today and how God wants you to get out of the cave, not stay in it. Let's pray. Father, help us today. Thank you for your spirit. Without you, this is just motivation. We don't need motivation tonight, this morning. Let me know what day it is, Father. Um, we don't need motivation this morning. We need a touch from heaven. Yes. Thank you for the people that are in the room. Thank you for the people watching online. Let your spirit flow here and through wherever people are watching today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Turn to somebody next to you and say, we're going to get out of this cave. We're gonna get out of this cave, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I have had the privilege of living for thirty-one years now. Get asked a lot, "How old are you? How old are you?" You know, because I think this area uh, there's some people that having a young pastor is new. Uh, well, I'm in my thirties now, so I'm feeling older than in my twenties. Okay, um, but I've been on this earth thirty-one years now. I've had the opportunity to serve in the church for 10 years before moving here. Um, got to help students for eight years. We helped a lot of kids get off drugs. We helped a lot of kids get out of gangs. Um, I remember the first night that I was out of town. My wife was holding down youth group, and you know, there's 200 kids there on a Friday night. And, and I was out of the country, and she calls me after church. And I said, hey, how'd it go? And she says, a uh, kid brought a gun tonight. Looking for another kid. Just wanted you to know. Um, And so that was always a part of like our reach in that area. You know, we we grew up in an area where there was some lower income areas that easily led to gangs and all the typical stuff that you see anywhere. And so we've had the opportunity to sit up close and personal with kids that got impacted by things. Um, we've done a lot of marriage counseling over two years of being a campus pastor. As soon as we became pastors over adults, people are like, when can we meet? Like, I wanna talk about my relationship. Like, I need help. Like, what can I do? So we've we've got to sit and hear people's life stories. We've, You know, I've had my own life story. My wife's had her life story. And I think we've all kind of learned this quote just through these ups and downs is, what matters is not what happens to us but what happens in us and typically people express discontent towards life or frustration about their story or the cards they were dealt because they're focusing so much on what happened to them. But what matters is not what happens to you because you can't control what happens to you you can't stop things from happening to you you can't stop the news from continuing to say what's going wrong in the world you can't stop that one relative you haven't talked to in years and they just keep talking you've already asked for forgiveness you've already apologized they keep going you can't stop that but what matters is not what happens to you what matters is what happens in you first Kings chapter 18 Elijah we hear what happens To him he has this epic moment where the Bible says he is so frustrated that God is not being represented right Elijah's an Old Testament prophet so we are you know seven eight hundred nine hundred thousand years before Jesus and he is God's man he is like doing stuff for God that's wild the Bible says that he has this thing on him that he just has anointing power to do things for God and he just gets frustrated with one day with all these prophets and he says, how about we do this? Let's let's have a showdown. You guys really think Baal's the true God? I think Yahweh's the true God. Let's have a showdown. And they're like, okay, let's do it. And he says, how about this? We're gonna create an altar, and what we'll do is we'll put a sacrifice on it, and we'll pray to God. You pray to your God, I'll pray to mine, and we'll see whose who's God sends fire down. This is epic. I mean, I would love to talk to Elijah about this in heaven, because I just wanna know what this was like. Like, you get hyped up watching two people fight. Imagine prophets saying, let's see whose God calls fire down from heaven. And the Bible says, you, you, you guys go first. And so they put their sacrifice on there and they start praying to Baal. Oh, Baal, would you come down? Nothing happens. Some more time goes by and they keep praying, Baal, come on down, help us out. Elijah, he, he's a little sarcastic. He starts saying, oh, maybe your God's asleep. It's in the Bible. You should read the Bible. It's scandalous. He says, oh, he said, maybe your God's asleep. So the Bible says they, all night they're cutting themselves now and they're cutting themselves. This is the first cutters in the Bible, cutting themselves, trying to get God to do something. And there are people that still hold that theology today. They think something wrong has to happen for them to encounter God. So Baal's cutting themselves and, and, and nothing, and Elijah's over here. He says, hey, maybe he's going to the bathroom. He's having a field day. He walks right up and he says, okay, my turn. He says he takes the bull, he cuts the bull, puts it on the altar, and then he pours three buckets of water on top of it. Now, it was a famine during this time. There was a drought happening, so to give God something you didn't even think you had was a sign of worship and trust. He says, okay, we're going to pour this water on there, and we're going to cut the bull. I almost wanted to call the message, Cut the Bull, because uh, I really thought I could preach that, and I was like, maybe not yet, um, so he says he cuts the bull. Because we're giving God sacrifices and not even putting in the proper work to prepare it. And so he cuts the bull and he prays and he says, oh God, I want you to know, I want them to know that God's real. The Bible says fire comes down, licks up all the water and the sacrifice. Crazy, like this dude is legit. And all the prophets all of a sudden go, God is real. We understand Yahweh's real. He said too late, he kills them all. This It's too late once you say, oh yeah, later. There's gonna be people in the end times they are gonna say, oh Jesus, we never knew. He's gonna say, oh, it's too late, I never knew you. You only wanted me when something went wrong. How about not when something's going right? Elijah's the real deal, y'all. He has this moment. Where he actually calls fire down from heaven a couple other things that elijah does he's the one that caused the drought god told him to pray for it to stop raining and it did for three years elijah prayed for rain to cease and for more than three years it did uh, also he brought a widow's son back to life there's an epic story where a widow son dies he comes and lays on the boy it's the weirdest thing and he comes back to life there's so much more to the story but it's crazy uh, he parts the jordan river Like one time he's walking up the Jordan River, he takes off his cloak, he hits the water, and it opens up. Can you imagine that? Just opens up. Uh, There's one part in the Bible where he's hungry and the ravens bring him food. Like you have to be close to God to get animals to start now quenching your thirst and bringing you food. Couple other things, he calls fire down from heaven, we just went over that, and he also mentored his successor. So Elijah's the real deal. Now here's what I've noticed about depression. Depression is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter how much success you have in one part of your life, if you don't steward your inner life right, depression will come for you too. What I've learned in my own depressive experiences is that sometimes depression often comes at the heel of our last victory. Think about that, I mean, Randy and I experienced it. We had launch Sunday, January 23rd, a day that we'll never forget. 22 people said yes to Jesus on our launch Sunday. It's just a number that's now locked in our hearts. We had this epic moment, and people were in town. It was great, and within two weeks, I would wake up and go, oh, what is that? As if I was in control or something, it's like, why do I feel depressed? And sometimes we try to label depression. We try to say what depression feels like, but for a 100 different reasons, there's 100 different people experiencing depression. Yeah. You might get depressed for one thing, and I'm over here getting depressed on another thing, and there's different levels of depression. Last week, we talked about anxiety, and we said there's chemical anxiety that's just in your neurons, it's in your brain system. There's traumatic anxiety, like you've gone through something that triggers that, and then there's also reactive anxiety. Something's happening, and you're reacting to it. It's the same with depression. If we're not careful, we'll mislabel something, and we won't deal with it. I know I'm on your toes today, but I I just, since I've moved here, I can't help but notice the amount of men and women that just go through subtle depression. Life all of a sudden has no joy. Just turning on the car, just driving down the street, just doing the work stuff, going back home, doing the dishes, helping with the kids. And then, and before you know it, the days are just connecting together. Am I the only one? And I want to get into that today. I want to be honest today. If you're watching online, we're coming for you too. There's people online ready to pray and help believe for breakthrough because we don't have to live depressed. We might experience seasons where life goes up and down, but the whole point of this series is to recognize if you're following Jesus, you can be consistent through the ups and downs. So what does depression feel like? A couple of different people say, it's like you've lost something, but you have no clue where you had it. Mm -hmm. Depression is like, man, I know I'm missing something, but I don't even know what and I don't even know where I lost it. Depression can also be a terrible sinking sensation. How about this one? Missing my friends, but not having the energy to interact with them or text them back. Since when did texting become so emotionally draining that you're like, I don't have the strength to write six words to this person. It's like, when did that happen? But it's true. Uh, how about this? It's a void that sucks in all your thoughts of being capable, worthwhile, lovable, and re- rec- replaces them with this fear of like failure. Like, well, what's the point anyway? If anxiety was worry about the, what's going on and stress about what might happen in the future, depression is kind of like, well, what's the point? Anxious people just kind of hang tight as they go through things. Depressing people just go through things. And I think today the Lord is in this room to help us recognize we don't have to live like that. We can come out of the caves of our lives. The Bible tells us that Elijah, when he goes on the run, eventually he goes into a cave. And I love caves because caves are where I get to be alone. Caves are awesome sometimes when you need to be safe, right? When you need shelter. Caves are good when you're tired and you want to isolate and recharge. I'm all for rest. But caves are also unfamiliar sometimes. You can get lost in them. And there's not a lot of light in caves. And so what happens is we often slip into depression because we subtly justify our decisions. And we say, well, I need a break. Or I need some time off anyways. And we just lay around for a couple of days and not realize we're sinking into a pit of nothing. I was only in town for about three months when I first heard the term February blues. People would say, "Ah, yeah, that's the blues, February blues. Have you heard this before? Or like, I just feel in the blues. And it had me start thinking, when did we start saying the blues, you know what I mean? And there's different people, different takes on it. I was reading something that says, as early as the 17th century, whenever a ship with a captain and sailors would be at sea, if their captain were to die and they were to lose their course, whenever they would find land, people say they threw blue uh, tarps and flags over to symbolize, we are not pirates, we're just lost. And that kind of triggered something. Also in the 18th century, uh, slavery was a big introduction of this term, the blues. It was normal for African slaves to take their musical background from where they came from and they would tie it to their current struggle in this country. And y'all understand this while they were doing slave work, they would sing and they would infiltrate music with their misfortune and what was going wrong in their life and how they were being forced to do something under somebody else's power. And it became a thing to sing the blues. And while they're working on the railroad, to get through it, they sang the blues. So this term blues has always been around our culture. Depression is nothing new to where we are. But I can't believe that Elijah had depression. Like look at verse four, it says, after this, he asked that he might die. This dude just killed 450 prophets. And now he's like, I don't even wanna live, why? Because one woman said something about him. (laughs) That's a different message for a different day one woman said something i'm gonna come and kill you and it says he was afraid he ran for his life and said i want to die it's an i love the language here he's so honest isn't he He says it's enough you ever felt like that i've had enough this is it last straw i can't do this that's where elijah is the great prophet that's in the bible the bible says jesus has a has a revelation one day he's on this mountain and the prophet uh, the disciples are with him And all of a sudden the mountain gets all white and he's standing there with Elijah and Moses. And the man that is sitting on the right hand of Jesus, a picture of the end times, is getting depressed. All that to say, if you're feeling depressed, don't beat yourself up, you're in good company today. If you've had moments where you feel like the life was sucked out of you, don't be beating yourself up, you're in good company today. Because the only reason why there's good news is because we be honest about the bad news. Can I say that again? The only reason that good news is good is because we're honest when we confront the bad news. And I just want to tell you today, what matters, stuff that happened to you matters, but it's more important about what happens in you than what happens to you. Are you with me? Like, let's look at Elijah's cycle because I'm going to give you how he got out of the cave, but I want to first show you how he got into it so that we can prevent ourselves from falling into caves. Is this good? Are you still with me today? Okay, let's look at Elijah's cycle because the Bible says as soon as he heard about Jezebel, he was what? He was afraid. So depression started with fear for him, and then it led to him retreating. Instead of going towards the problem, he actually went away from it. And let's be honest, we do this all the time. We know what the problem is, but we often wanna avoid it, and we say, oh, no, 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 I'll get to it later, or I'll deal with this later, and we retreat. When I just think God gives us the strength to deal with stuff head on, because what you don't confront, you can't conquer. Can we say it again for the people in the back? Come on, what you don't confront, you can't conquer. And so we wanna conquer our relationship issues. We wanna conquer our financial stewardship. We wanna conquer being a good dad, a good mom. We wanna conquer being good with our mental health. But until we confront it, we're not gonna conquer anything. Are you with me? So he retreats and then he isolates. The Bible says that he leaves his servant there and he goes another day without his servant. So he's running from Elijah, I'm sorry, he's running from Jezebel and his servant's with him the whole time. And I can imagine the servant just looking at him like, what are we doing, master? What's the plan? Like, where, where are we going? This woman's going to kill us. And he eventually gets to a point where he says, you stay here. And then he goes a day's journey without his servant because when we're depressed, the people that want to help us, we push them away. Yeah. We leave them out of our real issues. How's it going? Yeah, I'm great. You're not great. You know that you should tell at least somebody what you're going through, but we isolate even more. And then once we isolate, then we just get exhausted. And then eventually we self-sabotage and we start saying things like, I'm no good. What's the point anyways? Why why did I let it go this far? I'm already here, might as well make it worse. You you ever seen somebody do this? I've seen people do this in conversation. It starts with, I'm thinking about, and then they start analyzing themselves and they're like, well, I might as well. And I'm like, bro, that happened quick. Like, that's, that's a security issue. That's not a problem. You just don't believe in yourself. Because Elijah allowed himself to get to a point where he just starts speaking death over himself. And he says, I'm no better than my father, anyways. Can I tell you, when I became a pastor, um, I never wanted to be a pastor, too, by the way. Like, being a pastor wasn't like a sexy thing, in my opinion. There's some people that are like, I'm called to ministry. I'm like, I ran from ministry. And I remember just kind of learning how to preach, and like, every single week, like, trying to be like all the people I watch online. So I'd be like, oh, one week I'm going to preach like T.D. Jakes. You know what I mean? One week I'm going to preach like Judah Smith. I'll be like, oh, yeah. And then one week I'm going like like, oh, yeah, you know? to <laughs> preach like Joel Osteen. Hey, how yada? you know, like, doing? And just, and just like I was trying to like incorporate everybody. And what was happening is I was preaching these messages that weren't even mine. They weren't even what God was speaking to me about for the moment. And eventually it wouldn't go well. And I'd just be like, man, you know, I'm not really doing well. I'm not, I must not be called to be a preacher. And, and self-sabotage. Starts talking you out of the thing that God talked you into. Wow. What is God speaking over in my life? What's the last thing he told you to do? Just start there. Because he called me into the ministry. Last time I checked, he hasn't called me out yet. So every time I get in my head and I say, well, you know, well, not a lot of people come to the movie flex. Maybe we're not supposed to It's like, no, no, he hasn't said anything else. So I'm still doing the last thing he said. Yeah. Right. Elijah just retreated, retreated. And eventually he's so tired. The Bible says God tells him, you need to take a nap. He gets so depressed that he says, Take my life. And the Bible says, Lie down. You need to sleep. Because sometimes the first step to us getting out of our depression is just resting. Can I just tell you that today? Take a break, man. Take a day off. It's okay. If it means the the rest of this year you're going to be healthy in your mind, it's okay to miss like a day or two of work. Like if it means it's going to last long term. Don't let yourself go on and on and on without ever just saying, I need a break. So let me give you six things real quick how we get depressed because um, I really feel like we're onto something. Is this good? You still with me? Yes. Okay, uh, here's six things I think why we get depressed. Number one, first of all, life imbalances. I think sometimes it's simple. Our life is out of balance. We're either too involved at work or too involved at home and not enough with other friends, or our only friend is our spouse or our girlfriend or our boyfriend, and we never actually talk to anybody else, and life just gets unbalanced. Another way we get depressed is we compare ourselves to others you try to start preaching like Joel Osteen when you're supposed to be Billy Heather and it's like, you just get, why isn't this working? Because it's not real. Wow. Hello, why isn't this relationship working? Maybe because you have to evaluate, is it genuine? Jeez. Or are we just doing this just to do it? Jeez. Are you with me? We gotta not compare ourselves and be honest. Uh, how about this one, destructive self-talk? Think about this, Elijah was intimidated by Jezebel. Jezebel was over the 450 prophets he just killed. So the very people he just beat, he all of a sudden is afraid of because he let his self-talk get to him. Number four, the inability to process pain in a healthy way. We get depressed because we go to substances or we go to vacations or we go to escapism to try to deal with pain. We don't try counseling or therapy or grief. Number five, just loneliness and isolation. It's easy to get depressed when you don't see anybody ever. That's, that's why like, our weeks are full. Like, my wife has group Monday night. You know, We have our team meetings on Tuesday night. We've got men's group Wednesday night. We've got worship on Thursday. Saturday is our house day. We're cleaning. Friday is our Sabbath. So like, we try to keep our schedule enough of stuff so we don't just numb out and say, oh, there's nothing going on in this town. <laughs> and lastly, number six, I got to be honest here. A way we get depressed is sometimes our sin goes unconfessed. And I'm just, just, this is Bible. I, I don't, wouldn't do justice to the message to not bring this up. If you have sin in your life that you don't tell anybody about, that can get you depressed real quick. If you're holding a secret from somebody, or there's something you've done that you haven't told anything about, that can easily make you just kind of, ah. And so we have to be OK with talking about what we're going through. Because depression is nothing new to the scriptures. Look what David said, Psalm 42, he says, as the deer pants for the flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, listen to the language. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? So he's he's tired of waiting. It says that he's thirsty for God, like like a deer looking for water. Verse three, my tears have been my food all day and night. All I do is cry when I, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? So I'm over here crying and I got some of my best friends saying, hmm, I thought you were a Christian now. I thought you were going to church now. This is David. He says, I'm so depressed and there's people in my life going, where's your God? Sound familiar? You ever have someone like this? You're just in it and you're like, you know, but I think God's going to deliver me. I think he's going to get me through it. He has been faithful before. And they're like, "Mm mm-hmm, let's see. David had those people. Verse 4, and then he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. David's talking about like worship leading. He's like, how I remember when I would lead worship in the house of God. So what he's saying is when I'm depressed, I got to remind myself who I am. And then here's the kicker, verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you at turmoil within me? David says, why am I depressed? I'm a Christian. Why do I feel this way? If the word is true, why do I feel so blue? You know what I'm saying? Like, this this is off. Something's weird. And he talks to himself and says, although I'm feeling this, I'm going to put my hope in God and praise him again, for he's my salvation. So if you find yourself in a cave today, you're in good company. Because Elijah, David, even Jesus was depressed. Did you know that? Can I be honest to say that? Theologically, someone will send an email and say, that's off. But the Bible tells us that the night before he gets crucified, he is in the garden and he is sweating blood. It says his body is so tense about the moment that he says, oh God, if, if this cup could pass from me, if I don't have to do this. And then he says, but not my will, your will. In that moment, he felt what you're currently feeling. In that moment, he felt the emptiness that you've been feeling. In that moment, he felt the not sure, oh my gosh, should I, is there another way? But even Jesus had to submit through his depression and say, no, I'm not going to let this moment define me. It's God's will. And so if you're depressed today, if you're in a cave today, I want to give you five quick things on how to get out of it. And I'm going to hurry. I feel like this could have been a two-parter, but we're going to squeeze it together, okay? So Elijah runs, gets away from Jezebel. Eventually, he goes into a cave. And if you're in a cave today, there's five things you can do to get out of the cave. Number one, first thing is very simple. Just change the view. If you're feeling depressed, sometimes you need to go somewhere else. Go for a drive, go for a walk, go down to Point Gratiot. I know it's Lake Erie and it's freezing, but it's water. It might do something to you just mentally to see it. Like sometimes we simply need to say, you know what, I don't want to fight with you. I need a break. Let me walk out for a second. Or let me headphones on and just praise break. Let me take a second to just focus on something else. Look what Elijah did, verse nine, it says, there he came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love God here, as if God didn't know what he was doing there, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, they have killed your prophets with the sword and I, even I am only left and they came to take my life and seek it away. Like he's so down and depressed because he has isolated himself from God. And sometimes it's, it's not about how much you believe something, it's how close are you willing to put yourself to believe it. I remember uh, years ago, I've always been a big soccer fan and uh, was living in the desert, and I heard the LA Galaxy, which is the the American professional team, was going to play Barcelona, which is like one of the biggest soccer teams in the world. And so I went to go see it. me and my friend at the Rose Bowl. He's one of our youth workers. And I'm like, we're going to go to the Rose Bowl. We're going to see Messi play the Galaxy. They're going to crush the Galaxy, but it's going to be awesome. And so he buys the tickets. We get these nosebleed tickets. 94,000 people there. I show up in my Galaxy gear because I'm an LA fan and you would say 95,000 people there, there's probably 94,000 that were Barcelona fans. And so I show up, I'm all you know in my, in my LA Galaxy gear, Gio, my friend is with me, and, and we're like, yeah, and so we go to the usher, and I'm like, I'm so pumped to go to the LA Galaxy section, and, and he goes, oh, your tickets are up there. I'm like, oh, okay, so we you know, get all the way up to the top of the thing, and I'm like, we're sitting like second row behind it. And I'm like, well, this isn't any fun and uh, down on the field, you could see the LA Galaxy section. This is where the drummers were. This is like, if you've seen soccer matches, the fan section's crazy. Like you have to stand the whole time. They're jumping and they're like right on the field. And I'm looking, I'm like, we should be down there. I'm in my Galaxy gear. I'm sitting with Barcelona fans. We should be down here. And Gio's like, man, you need to chill out. And while we're talking, a, gore gets, a goal gets scored. And everybody down at the field is like, yeah! And up in the, where we're sitting, people are like, woo! I said, Gio, when halftime comes, we're going down there. And and just to tell you the truth, uh, you know, we we went, we go to get nachos, and as we're coming back to our seat, I was like, okay, we're going down. We snuck down into the front. We're sitting on the second row in the Galaxy fan, and all of a sudden, we're jumping, we're shouting, we're doing all this stuff. And while we're doing that, believe you not, a security guard walks over and goes, Pastor Billy? (laughs) And it was this woman from our church that was from the desert, out doing security, recognized us, sneaking in. And then I'm like, hey. And she goes, this is my section, you're good. Don't even worry about it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, so I got tickets here anyways. You know, it's fine. And and we repented after. But, (laughs) I'm just joking. But what's the principle? When we were sitting far away, of course we weren't engaged. But once we got close enough to what was going on, all of a sudden that, whoa, that passion came back. What if you're not experiencing anything in your relationship with God because you're sitting too far away? Jeez. And it's like, yeah, I come to church, but what else? What if, like, what if like all these things during the week are not just things for our church to do? What if small groups is not just like something we do, so you have something? What if that's an opportunity to sit closer on purpose? Right. I don't get these things about God. Well, get around people that like God then, and you can learn. We have to be okay with changing our view. Are you with me? So Elijah had to change his view. Let's go on. Not only should you change your view when you're in a cave, but you have to pay attention to what's going on. A lot of times when we're depressed, we're not even recognizing the cues and triggers that we saw before. And things just keep happening as Elijah's in this cave. Look at verse 11. The Bible says God goes, what are you doing here, Elijah? Look what he says. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. God calls him out of the cave. He says, you wanna hear my voice? You're not gonna hear it in there. You really wanna know what I think about your marriage? You're not gonna hear it in there. You really wanna know what I think about your addiction? The people at the bar aren't gonna help you with that one. Like you wanna deal with the problem, you wanna find an answer in the same place that the problem is. So God tells him, get out of the cave. And then I'm gonna speak to you and look what it says. And behold, the Lord passed by and there was a great strong wind that tore the mountains into pieces but the Lord was not in the wind. And then while Elijah's out there, there was an earthquake like, whoa, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, like all of a sudden fire shows up, but that wasn't him either. It says, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. So what's the principle? When we're depressed, we often listen to the wrong voices. When we're depressed, we think God is in the big stuff. I just need a breakthrough. I just need someone to lay hands on me. Absolutely. There's a time for that. Uh, but a prophetic word or someone laying hands on you might not always be the thing you need. So sometimes you just need to pay attention and realize you might not need one big high. You might need just some consistent little things in your life to get you back on track. Don't think that depression is an overnight thing to get out of. It takes time, it takes patience, and it takes people. It takes other people to be involved in what you're doing. In an easily distracted world, we can get peace when we just have a healthy focus. So I got to pay attention. Third, I have to embrace my identity. Now that I've changed my view and now I'm paying attention to what God is, I have to embrace my identity. What does that mean? Just learn to love you again. Like I overthink a lot of things. And sometimes I'm like tripping to my wife, spazzing out, like, but what about this? What about this? She's like, that's a small part of you is this overthinking. She goes, don't forget about Billy, this side of Billy. Don't forget about all this good stuff. Sometimes we forget to embrace who we are. Look what the Bible says. I'm almost done. As I close, verse 13, it says, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went and stood at the entrance of the Lord. This is the guy in the previous chapter, killed the prophets, and God calls him out of the cave, and he comes out, and he hears the whisper, and he wraps his face, almost as if, like, I can't. I think when we're depressed, we have to get to a point where things might not be going how we want them to go, But we got to start to sift through who we actually are and go, no, this is who I am. It says, he wrapped his face in a cloak, went and stood at the entrance of the cave, and the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Second time, he tells him, you got to love you before you can get past anything you're going through. And I just want to tell you today, if you haven't heard it yet, you're loved. We love you. We might not know you that well, but we've been thinking about you all week. Whoever was in the room, I told the Lord was going to get healed today, because I just believe that the power of someone knowing they're loved and valued, that's the deepest human emotion need we have to be seen and loved. And sometimes we don't need a quick answer. We just need to know someone loves us and cares for us and is with us. He embraces identity. Number four, not only embrace your identity, you need to watch your words now. So when I get out of the cave, I got to change my view. I Got to pay attention to what God is doing. Um, I have to embrace who I am. Okay, I know who I am. Now I got to watch what I say. Because if you're gonna get out of the cave, you can't have the same language that got you into the cave. Are you with me? So if I was self-sabotaging myself to get into depression, I can't sit here and talk about myself like I used to. Sometimes my wife will just tell me, she goes, no, not in my presence. And I'm like, no, man, I just am getting worried about this. She goes, not in my presence. I go, what, what, what is that? She goes, you're not gonna speak about yourself in my presence because I don't believe that about you. I so, Oh yes, ma'am. She says, imagine how much more God feels when you talk about yourself like that. Because you're not just talking about yourself, you're talking about his creation. Hello, when we talk down about ourselves, I'm nothing. That's a strong word. This always happens. Always, that's a strong word. You never do, that. never, that's a strong word. We gotta watch the words we use when we're coming out. Look at verse 14. He says the same thing. He says, I've been jealous for the Lord and uh, the people of Israel, they forgot about you. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically says, they forgot about our fathers. They threw down our altars. He goes, I'm the only one left. And when you're depressed, isn't it funny how we do that? We say, no one else knows what I'm going through. No one else knows this feeling of not wanting to get out of bed, not wanting to return a phone call. Elijah, thousands of years ago, same thing. I'm the only one left, God. I'm the only one. And we let our words drive our course. I wanna tell you today, God's word can drive your course. It says his word is a light into our path, a lamp into our feet that we can go further when we're looking at his word. I have to watch my words. And uh, I just think this last one is the whole point of it all to really come out of the cave. Number five, you gotta discover your purpose. And I'm not talking about like your career. I'm talking about your calling. And calling does not mean just like church stuff. Like you can be called to just be a really good janitor and you just do your janitor work as service to the Lord and you treat those people that don't even recognize you as God would treat you. And you, you, I believe there's gonna be a lot of janitors in heaven with big crowns and we're gonna go, who is that guy? He was just faithful to what he, God gave him. Come on. But we get depressed when we don't know why we're here and look what happens Elijah says I'm the only one left verse 15 and the Lord says to him go now return your way to the wilderness of Damascus and when you arrive anoint Hazel to be king over Syria and then when you see Jehu make sure you anoint him and then I want you to go grab Elisha and Elijah you're going to mentor what does God tell him you want to not be depressed find a purpose for your life Go and get back to the things you used to get back to. i talked to so many people and they're like, you know, my last church, we really did this, we really did that. Maybe God had you experience that so you could still do it now. Because sometimes we need to just go back and say, why am I here? Like I know I'm here to teach the Bible and I'm here to pastor people. I don't feel like an evangelist. I don't feel like I'm gonna just show up, preach and then leave. I don't feel like an apostle, like I'm here just to get it started and then we're gonna put someone else here. Like I love sitting down with someone and telling me, go, go, tell me what you're going through. What can I believe God with you for? And, and it's not hard when it's your lane. <laughs> you, with, you with me, can I flow here for a second? I do like when we first started, people were like, man, Like, you know, I know a pastor goes through a lot, and we do, pastors, we do carry a lot. Like, it's a lot, y'all. But it doesn't feel like a lot. Because I know it's my grace. The thing that you can do that no one else can do with that kind of smile or that kind of, effort. that's your grace. And the sooner you find that, the easier it is to get out of the cave. So I want to pray for you today, as we close. I want to take a second and pray that you would find your purpose not in our church, not in a ministry. We got all those teams. We need help, by the way. We'd love some help in kids' church. Anyone who wants to serve? Just throwing it out. Hallelujah. Uh, amen. Hallelujah. But, but, but it's beyond just what you do on a Sunday morning. Your calling is so deeper than an hour and fifteen minutes on a Sunday. And I wanna, I wanna pray that the Lord would lead you to that this morning. So if, you're, if you would, would you close your eyes for a second? If you're here today and you don't have this kind of thing that Elijah had, this person calling your name, saying step forward, this person saying, what are you doing here? I'd love to introduce you to Jesus today, to give you a chance to know before you get out of anything, you can't do it without him. And uh, we're gonna pray for depression after this group, but if you're here and you need Jesus, you just say, I need to become a Christian, or I need to renew my dedication to Jesus today. Uh, We would love to lead you in this moment. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And uh, eternal life is, that's a long time. And I just want to make sure that there's someone here today that's not sure of that, saying, you know what? I need to give my life to Jesus. We'll do it right now. If that's you, would you slip your hand up on the count of three, say, pray for me, Billy, I need Jesus. One, two, three. Come on. Would you repeat this prayer? The whole church is going to say it together. Would you just say, dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe he died for me. Today, I want to live for him. Oh, I believe he rose again. Today, I rise again in Jesus name. And all God's people said amen and amen. Come on, can we clap you all for those who made that decision? Uh, We'll skip that video uh, but I I do want you to know if you need a Bible, our team would love to get you on today. If you need prayer, if you want to know what's next after you get saved and say, I need Jesus, like we have stuff, resources, devotionals, anything we can do to help, uh, meet us at the next steps afterward. We'd love to to talk with you. Anybody online, seriously, if you want to know Jesus today, uh, we care about you too. And there's some people there that can just chat with you and lead you to what's next. Um, and it'd be great. Secondly, I want to pray for anybody dealing with depression, simple as that. Oh, that's not, not as bad as that person's, or it's not, don't, don't box it in. You just, if that resonates with you, you say, you know what? I felt that. Um, I saw, I, I just in prayer this morning just felt like the Lord showing me flowers blooming again. And just, you just feel like that. You're like, I'm waiting, but just not there yet. If that's you, would you lift your hand and say, that's me today? I, I need a touch from God in that area. We did an altar call earlier. I'm going to pray for your seat to become the altar. And uh, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit, like Elijah, to show up and just say, come on, change your view. Try something different. We have plenty of things to try here. We'd love to help you with that. But I want to pray for you right where you're at. Father, thank you now in the name of Jesus for every person that was honest, every person that said, I don't know why or how, where it came from, but I feel it right now. Honor their honesty with your presence. Reveal yourself to them right now. Lord, I pray for fresh joy. I pray for a rearrangement of their brain, God, the things that used to trip them out, things that used to get them sad. I thank you, you're gonna turn that into gratitude. Just transformation over their minds today in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you. Come on, can we thank God one more time, y'all? Wow. Oh, I love that we get to do this every week. Uh, next week, join us. My wife will be teaching. Uh, she'll be talking about insecurity. How to deal with like, the things you don't like about yourself. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. Um, as always, our messages, you can get them online afterwards. If you want to send this to anybody that might have not been in the room today, that's a way to invite and evangelize. Just send them a link. Tell them, I thought of you today. Um, It was good. We're going to close our service though with our time of generosity. And uh, I'm going to pray very quickly for your giving today. Thank you for all those that have been tithing or those that have been giving. Um, You know, if you're new, no pressure. But uh, we just obviously appreciate anybody that's saying, hey, here's a little something to help the mission go forward. Uh, We believe that generosity is more than money. We believe it's time. We believe it's how you steward things. Uh, but there are real resources that we can give for God let me show you scripture real quick this is the message paraphrase it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller and there's just something about giving to someone in need giving to a local mission like like us here at the church um, giving to that guy at the gas tank you can tell just you know, prices are going up and he's only putting a gallon in. Like, you know what, when I'm generous and I'm able to bless that guy or give towards the church or give towards a mission, um, my world gets bigger. I'm like, whoa. But when I hold on to everything myself, and I'm like, oh, I might need it. This is for me. It gets smaller and smaller. You start getting boxed into only your needs. Um, so there's nothing like giving. I want to pray over your giving and then we'll dismiss. And uh, we'll see you next week, man. Part three of season's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome. You want to stand up, let's stand. I want to pray over you guys. Sorry, we're still trying to figure out this uh, closing, just rambling. I want to pray that the rest of this week would be the best of your week. Uh, I want to pray that if you run into any old things this week, you would have a new mindset towards them. And so uh, let's just thank God. Lord, thank you for the giving today. Those that are giving, we honor you with our giving, God. This is our worship to you. Whether it's automatically coming out or this is a moment for us to give, it doesn't matter, God. This is our worship. We love you this much so we give to you today and i pray a blessing over the people of gospel they would be the head and not the tail that they would see their worth this week they would know they've been called for something and to something thank you for their faith to bring them in the room now let them go out and be a light to this world so we bless them now in the name of jesus amen amen we love you guys have a great week we'll see you next week at gospel if you need anything let us know no 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 no